0: You're listening to The Velocity Podcast with host Craig Caperso and Holden McRae. Our goal is simple. Increase the speed at which you succeed. Let's go. All right, guys, this is Craig and Holden on The Velocity Podcast. And this topic is coming in from uh, the repeated questions that I get online right now. With everything going on with gyms being shut down across the United States, and I think we're getting a little reprieve at this point in time. We're shooting here in September. But body weight training, you know, are you able to build muscle while you're training at home? And specifically just with body weight, you know, there's the the calisthenics guys right now. And if you look at them, they're, they're pretty muscular. If you look at some of these guys that do a lot of the body weight training, you know, they, they look like they're ripped. They look like they're going to the gym and maybe they're supplementing their workouts with some strength stuff at home. But, you know, speaking to those guys that are now stuck without access to a gym, and you know, are relying on someone like myself to say, "Hey, can I get these workouts done you know at home?" And, and you know, spoiler alert, the answer is going to be depends, and uh, Hold and I are going to kind of get into it, but I'm going to ask his feedback here in a second to kind of let us know like how muscles are built, like what that structure and that science sequence is, and then we'll kind of get into like who it depends on but also, if you're listening to this early on, we do have bodyweight trainings in my app. If you go to got-velocity.com, you'll be able to check them out. They're in the TikTok series. I got one that's just bodyweight and I have a bands one. So if you are looking for some of this action, um, you know we have a great 30-day trainer that we can get you in on and it does also come with some nutrition. So the, just uh, might as well do a, a cheap plug right there. But go ahead, uh, Holden. Talk to me a little bit about like how does muscle grow? Like, how can you build muscle? If we're talking about someone who wants to build muscle at home,
1: uh I think we've talked about this before um probably you know, maybe a couple of months ago about mm-hmm. um when we talk about factors that impact skeletal muscle mass um the first one's genetics right genetics are critical uh you when you look around you at different people their body type or their body shape is to a pretty large extent, genetically determined, right? If you come from parents who are tall, thin, or skinny, and you have that same body types, what we call somatotype, it's Mm -hmm. quite unlikely that no matter how much training you do, how you eat, um, what kind of environment are you in? Whether you have the optimal hormonal levels that you're going to look like Craig Caperso, right?
0: Well, Craig um, Caperso, mind you, was a very skinny kid. So Craig Caperso <laughs> yeah, made it happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. But what were your parents like, Craig?
0: Pretty average. I, I can't yeah. say that they're, they're, they're not skinny or they're not muscular. They're like, yeah. I would say and, they're pretty typical people.
1: And gra- grandparents?
0: Uh, you know? Skinny. Skinny. Really? Yeah. yeah. Skinny, skinny so, on my, my father's side, uh, yeah. more stout, if you will, on my mother's side.
1: German. So let's just go a little bit deeper into the genetic side of it, right? So when we look at muscle fiber types in humans, there are three predominant types, and we classify them, we call them motor units because the nerve that supplies the muscle that initiates its ability to shorten has to innovate or provide input to that, that muscle or that group of muscle fibers. And so we talk about motor units. And in humans, there are three major classifications. We have what we call um, slow motor units, right? So that those would be what we call type one fibers, Muscle fibers or slow oxidative fibers. Then we have the fast fibers or fast motor units, and they're very fatigable. That means uh, when they initiate um, a contraction in the muscle, they generate high forces, but they fatigue really quickly. Mm -hmm. So when they repetitively stimulated, they don't last very long. So you can think about running a four hundred meters as hard as you can. You know, most people are able to run very fast times on a 400 meter event, generally, not always, but in general, they would have a high proportion of fast fatigable fibers. They would have these large motor units. And then you have an intermediate one, uh, a set of fibers, we call them 2A fibers or fast oxidative glycolytic fibers. And they They have high force capacity, but they also have high endurance capacity. So the genetic side is going to have a big influence on the extent to which you can hypertrophy. All muscle fibers, slow, intermediate, or the very fast fibers are capable of hypertrophy, are capable of growth. okay, Um, But not to the same extent.
0: While you're going there, because I want to make sure people don't miss this. So um, uh, a squat, you know, you're most likely, if you're going to be doing it inside the 15 or less rep range, you're going to be looking at those fast twitch muscle fibers or those mid-range. Can we talk about that? Because I just want to make sure that people are understanding at what point do you use these muscle fibers more frequently? You mentioned a 400 meter Um, Obviously, we could get into the glycotic uh, pathways and things of that nature when energy is being consumed by the muscle. But talk about like an exercise in in each one of those situations. What might be the main use of that exercise?
1: Right. So, when I'm standing, for example, I'm not moving at all. So, yeah, I'm going to do a squat, but I'm standing. I'm just not performing the squat actively. Okay. During that standing, I'm still firing muscle because I have to keep myself upright. Okay. And so most of the motor units that are active during standing are going to be slow motor units. Okay. They, what we call these, they have high endurance. I can stand for eight or nine hours a day. I'm going to get tired, but I'm not going to collapse onto the ground. Right.
0: What I was getting at is people say fast twitch muscle fiber, slow twitch muscle fiber. Yes. Would you say standing is a slow twitch muscle fiber? That's a slow twitch.
1: Okay. Yeah, and the twitch part is just the, the motor neuron or the nerve that innervates that fiber. It, it, it sends signals at a slower rate than you would with a fast twitch. You know, the twitch refers to the force production, and that's highly dependent on the type of nerve that's sending the signal to the muscle. Okay. Okay. Um, So now I squat, if I do the squat slowly, then I'm gonna be primarily activating slow motor units, right, these slow twitch fibers. As I speed up, those slow twitch fibers will still be active, but I'll start activating the intermediate fibers, the ones that are able to produce more force, but still have a relatively high endurance capacity and if i accelerate the speed at which i'm squatting i will start recruiting the what we would call pure fast twitch fibers okay. the ones that can generate very high forces but fatigue really quickly
0: how how does load impact that because my understanding of of the fibers where it was like you know the intensity would have to be hard or load would be heavy so essentially it would be about, you know, I look at it as like muscle recruitment, right? When you're, when you're at standstill, let's just call it, you're recruiting five to 10% and I could be way off on this, but like muscle recruitment, those, those smaller muscles that go into activation to, you know, support Mm -hmm. your body. And then as you're going into a squat, um, and let's just say the load stays the same and we're just repping it out. The more reps that you would do, the more fatigue that you put on your body and the more recruitment that would have to go into other muscles. And so potentially if you're saying we're just going slow and we're in that slow to is that moderate um, range. And so is, is it right to think that the more fatigued that we are, that we can recruit more or is that not the case? It only matters with speed and, and impact because I would, I would be learning something here too
1: yeah well speed clearly matters because right. high velocity movements demand fast twitch fiber recruitment right okay. you have to fire those large motor units because you have to be able to rapidly send the signal the electric signal to the muscle have it relax and then be, keep sending it right we have mm-hmm. this high frequency of sending so speed is important we're going to recruit more of those fast fibers which have high force output as we increase the velocity of shortening as we increase that but the same also happens with load you know you talked about load earlier so i will not be able to move the same load so let's say i'm doing a back squat and i have a barbell on my back if i were only relying on my slow twitch fibers on the small motor units to generate the force let's just i'm going to throw out a hypothetical number you know perhaps i can only back squat 40 kilograms right which would be about 85 pounds or so activating those small units only now now as i add weight to that bar You know, if I go to 100, 120 kilograms, you know, if I'm going over 200 pounds, I'm still activating those slow twitch fibers. They always active. But now I'm having to recruit more of these larger fibers that can generate more force because they have more of the contractile components within the muscle.
0: How does the increase of reps where you actually become fatigued, where does that then recruit what other muscles? Um, because this all is going to go right into, and if you're listening, I know this might sound a little dry. Um, we're going to go into where I want to lead this conversation with the body weight stuff because it's going to matter everything. And so, if I can get out of holding the, what I think to be true, uh, it'll matter everything for your body weight program.
1: Yeah. So, remember these small muscle fibers, you know, what we call slow twitch fibers are not fatigable. Well, they are fatigable, but Pretty much they have very, very high endurance. You know, you can keep activating them for hours on end. Okay. But as you've, you know, as we've now talked about, if let's say I'm at 80 kilograms and I did one rep, yeah, you know, it's probably a lot of all my, you know, a lot of slow twitch and some of those intermediate fibers that can generate high force. But now I go to, okay, I'm going to do 10 reps with that weight. Slow fibers are still active because they, you know, essentially not fatigable. I have to start recruiting more of those intermediates and maybe even a few of the very large, what we would call fast twitch, right, or type 2X fibers. Now, if I go to 20 or 30 or 40 reps with that same weight, the slow twitch is still active i have a lot more of those intermediate fibers activated and now i'm recruiting a lot more of those high force muscles because of the fatigue that's occurring in my intermediate fibers i'm having to activate those fatigable ones
0: so what you're saying there and i think there i think there's something different because i just had a epiphany so like walking we're talking about the slow muscle you know muscle fibers and if If Metron tells me that you know between a let's call it a fifteen and a sixteen per minute per mile pace is walking, okay, mm-hmm. we could do that all day mm-hmm. long, you know for yes. the most part and yeah. so and so what I just had a brain explosion in my head right now is it's okay, those aren't gonna stop in my head, i always I always thought that muscles would get fatigued and that you stop using them. no, you just said that we're always using them, but what I think is actually happening when you're when you when fatigue occurs is your energy system is now fueling in a different capacity. So for example, if we, you can't walk for days at on end, at some point, something's going to got to give your muscles, aren't going to give actually, it's going to actually be the energy systems that's going to give, it's going to be sleep deprivation. Um, you won't have the fuel, um, in order to continue to process. So in order for them, you know, now you're, you're squatting or you're doing something else and rep over rep. And if it's a lightweight, you could continue to do it, but just like an air squat, if you continue to air squat over and over and over and over and over, you are going to get fatigued and and what's happening is you know lactic lactate and all these other things are coming in there because your energy systems your oxygen gets depleted and different things will start taking place so maybe it's maybe we're we're taking the wrong argument with this thing with the energy with the the muscle fibers and more thinking about the energy systems when we're using them and the fuel that's going into um, you know fueling those muscles because I think that sounds like to me if we're always using those small, you know, small fibers, and then you're saying we're recruiting more, but I think what's happening more or less, um, you know, in the body is fuel is being transferred in different places. Maybe it's being depleted from those stores where fat is fueling those slow twitch. And now we start getting into that glycotic or the glycogen position where it's actually going into other energy systems and recruiting those other muscle fibers. And am I onto something or am I, am I off base here?
1: No, I mean fuels. Of course, critical, right? Because you know the universal energy carrier in the body is adenosine triphosphate, or what you know most people would know as ATP. And we have limited quantities in our body. We store very little of it because it's such a heavy fuel. It's extremely heavy. In fact, on a daily basis, you know, I weigh about eighty-five kilos, uh, kilograms, and just for resting metabolism, just for my resting energy expenditure on a daily basis, I consume about 85 kilograms of ATP. So clearly for me to store that on a daily basis would be very inefficient because I would weigh at least twice what I weigh now in order to provide the fuel. So we use things like glucose or glycogen um, or triglycerides, which are stored fats in the body, and you know unfortunately, as well, protein mm-hmm. right, which we don 't want to do, but those become energy currencies that we can use to resynthesize the very limited amount of ATP we store, which in reality is only available for about two seconds to five seconds worth of muscular work um, So, yes, we, you know, fuel is a really critical element. And, you know, when we think about fuel, we think, oh, yeah, it's only occurring, it's only being supplied at the uh, myosin head, which is where it's being consumed at the contractile unit within the muscle. But it's also being used to repolarize nerve cells. So, we talked about these um, nerves that innovate or provide the signal to the muscle. Those also. Consume energy, those nerve cells, because you have to repolarize the membranes. That is an energy consuming process. And then, you know, one of the signals within the muscle that drives or initiates, helps facilitate the contraction um, is calcium. And calcium cannot stay within the environment of the contractile fibers. It's very toxic to them. And so we have to keep pumping it back out of the sarcoplasmic fluid into the sarcoplasmic reticulum so that it doesn't cause damage to the contractile unit within muscle. And that's an energy consuming process as well. So We have these three major sites where when muscle is being activated to shorten, um, where we have ATP being consumed, so yes, you're absolutely correct we cannot separate the fiber type from the fuel supply they are they absolute they have to have that fuel in order to be able to do the work that we demand of them
0: right. I was just trying to tie it in because he's saying that, look, we could walk for days or we could pretty much squat, you know, like something, a light load. You know, I'm just concerned to say, okay, well, at what point do I stop doing that? Well, I guess if the load's light enough, we can continue to do it as long as the energy system is there. Okay. As long yes. as long as the readily available fuel for that system is available, then there is no stoppage. Then it would have to come down to either load or capacity or other things that would drain our fuel systems, I, I suppose, is what would we start looking for when you require um the faster muscle twitch for velocity and speed and load so um you know in in a perfect world with the right triglycerides i guess is what's going to be main fuel for that slow twitch fiber for the predominantly i would say and you could continue to do that as long as you're completely available resources there so essentially you're not going to fatigue and you probably wouldn't be recruiting many other muscle fibers if it's a light enough load like walking or something of that nature
1: yeah I'm trying to remember the, the, I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I think if I recall correctly, the average person has about 45 days worth of energy to fuel the body, for example, during walking, just using fat. So right. if we were only using stored fat, triglyceride as an energy source and excluding everything else that's available to us, we'd be able to exercise continuously for about 45 days without stopping.
0: Wow. And so that that brings up the discussion, and I promise we'll get to the point of this, this conversation. <laughs> I know we get off topic of fasting, right? They say you can fast for almost that long, as long as water is available, um, you know mm-hmm. on on what you have, and obviously the more fat that you have in your body, I would say the longer that's possible, right Someone who's sure. very emaciated, who doesn't have a lot of fat um, readily available is not going to be able to fast as long as somebody who's much bigger that has that you know fat is going to be stored it's going to be be able to be processed and synthesized for the fuel that we 're talking about so it's bringing it all back around, if we can look at the energy systems, I suppose, and then if you could start understanding like muscle fiber types and um load and building workouts around volume and intensity, then I would say it's fair to say you can build muscle on a strength program at your house, um, or with just body weight. However, Holden and I had briefly discussed prior to the call, it depends on besides genetics, your current state of athleticism or, or athletic prowess, if you will. So that would be much different. For example, Holden brought up his, uh, is it your father? Yeah, my dad is really frail right now. He's 89 and um,
1: essentially bedridden, you know, physically very debilitated and very deconditioned. And so for him, when I'm helping him right now, when I help him to stand up next to his bed, you know, if he needs to toilet, for example, um, he's strong enough to do one sit to stand you know, which would be the, and then sit back down. That would be the equivalent of a squat, right? It's a very functional movement. Instead of him doing one, I'm having him do three to five at a time, right? And that's generating enough load on his quads and his hamstrings and his glutes in order that he's going to maintain The muscle mass that he has, the little that he has left. Now, I could do it several times a day. So, for him, if he's eating adequate amounts of protein in his diet, um, if he's nutritionally sound, then adding five, you know, three to five sit to stands, instead of doing it once a day, I might do it three or four times a day, definitely. He's going to be able to increase the amount of contractile protein present in his skeletal muscle in his legs. So that's an extreme example. You know, that's someone who's pretty much bedridden, who can develop muscle mass, right? He, we know he's going to develop strength through it, but I know that he's going to maintain or and potentially. Increase his muscle mass, but he's gonna have to do it. So that's an extreme example, you know, at the very low end of what I would call functionality.
0: But it brings up the perfect point now to bring up the bodybuilder or the crossfit athlete or some other, you know, human that's on the other side of the spectrum, you know, a load that is not going to be taxing for them, that's gonna be in that more that slow muscle contractions or the things where they could do all day. Like you know, they, they consider like when you're doing your jogging or you're walking and you can have a conversational pace. So you are not going to be building so much out of that because even, you know, Holden's father in this predicament, he probably was maxing out at three to five. And so therefore the load was extreme for him. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be something like somebody doing like a, a five by five squat routine. Um, you know, so the same capacity. So in his position, a body weight was more than enough to acquire strength, uh, provided the nutrition was correct. So, for somebody who wants to build at home, you got to take a look at where you're currently at, right? See what your current state of affairs is. If you're, um, you know, going from the couch to some kind of training environment, then absolutely, you're going to have to. You're not going to have to go too far before muscle is going to start being uh, built, as long as the diet's correct. If if you're still eating poorly and you're not getting the proper nutrition and fuel, then you know it's going to be a lot slower road for you, and you're still probably going to be increasing fat density and all this other stuff in your body. But, you know, provided you start making some choices that are, you know, protein is a predominant um, you know, source of your diet. And then specifically carbs and fats, because essentially carbs, the, you know, the glycotic pathway, glycogen, glucose in your body is going to be used when that load is required or when that fast twitch is required. And so those extreme circumstances were those high bursts of energy and output. But if your, if your routine is much lower in the, on that spectrum, then you would definitely want to back off your carbohydrates and prioritize more fuel, um, from fats and proteins. Obviously protein should be somewhat constant in this environment, but then you might start thinking about what the fuel type looks like for your workouts. So that's, that's something that we can get into fuel type as well as, you know, when you're training at home, you know, what a routine might look like. So, you know, what would you yeah. say, like a regular athlete, you know, how can they build at home?
1: yeah so I would say there, there are two things you can do with body weight exercise. One, of course, is altering the number of repetitions. So I'm going to go back to my, the example of my dad, you know five repetitions and you correct. After five reps, he doesn't want to do any more. sit to stand um, and, and back down again. But for an average person, you know so that's five reps. But for me, if I'm trying to maintain my leg strength, doing squat movements, which is what a sit to stand is, I might need to do 50 to a hundred repetitions, right? So I'll break them up into sets of 20. I'll do 20 squats, 15 sit-ups, 10 push-ups, and I'll repeat that five to 10 times in that order. You know, someone who is a lot more athletic like you, you know, maybe you need to do 200 or 300 squats, right? So one way to, you know, clearly you can alter the number of repetitions in order to build strength or hypertrophy. You can hypertrophy to a certain extent doing that. Um, The other thing you can do is reduce the speed at which you move, right? So for example, on a squat, I can lower myself into the squat slowly, explode out of it. When I'm lowering, I'm working against the force of gravity, right? Because I'm lowering myself. But if I do that slowly, I'm really increasing the resistance, the load on the muscle. So when we talk about training at home, those are kind of the two things that you have a lot of control over is the number of repetitions that you do of the movement and then also controlling the speed at which you do it. I mean, you would, you, if you think about it, um, let's use the bench press, for example. When you push the bar off your chest, you want to make it an explosive movement, but you actually increase the amount of strength that you develop or even potentially increase the potential for hypertrophy, you would lower the bar slowly, right? That eccentric phase would be a slow phase. So that, that would be similar in the squat to lowering yourself slowly and then exploding out of it into the
0: standing position.
1: So those are the two things you can manipulate when you're doing
0: bodyweight exercises at home. Great examples how does rest take a effect in this? And, and would it, essentially, would it matter at all in the equation for building muscle? I certainly know it can help in increase of calories burned and different, we call that intensity, but you know, how does rest play that time? So like, if you're always fatigued, so let's just say you do an air squat till fatigue, which let's, let's put a number on it. You feel like that 80%, 90% threshold of what's been hit. Um, and then you rest but you only do it for 30 seconds as opposed to rest till recovered, um, or 20 seconds or 10 seconds like a Tabata. Does that increase load? Does that increase where the body could potentially build muscle, or is that just basically lowering uh, the fuel sources available uh, that were replenished during that rest?
1: Yeah, well, you're just putting, you, you're increasing the time and the tension that the muscle's experiencing, right, when I change the speed of movement right? I'm altering the time under tension. And it's really time under tension that's going to determine ultimately whether I get stronger and to what extent I might hypertrophy, right? And so repetitions is just another way of saying time under tension. Sure. You know, 10 reps is 10 times under tension. 100 reps, I've put the muscle under tension 100 times. Slowing the speed of movement, more time and attention than increasing the speed of movement. Right, less time and attention. So, yeah, I think one way to look at it, you know, we we're talking independent of rest periods between maybe doing a set of twenty squats,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, with a recovery period. We're just looking at total exposure. Of the muscle to a loading force. Okay. How much load total am I applying to that muscle? Because the load I apply ultimately determines, or the amount of load I apply ultimately determines how much stronger I get and to what extent the muscle is going to hypertrophy, assuming everything else is equal.
0: Sure. So the reason I bring that up is I have multiple different programs and a lot of times I'll use time and rest as an intensity factor of your, your training. And intensity is probably being used loosely here because intensity could mean load or, you know, things of that nature. So when you look at rest, I would say it has much more place. in when you're, when you're making short rest periods, and this is obvious to most people, but some people will do these body weight trainers at home and they'll have very short rest periods and things of that nature. So Essentially, if you want to you know, maintain your fitness, I would say it might be a good idea to have a program that's going to you know, just keep your body fat lower because you're burning more calories in your session by decreasing rest times. But in, in Holden's example, rest has no bearing in a, in a weight load program um, in this position because like, if you just look at my programs, HVT, Reloaded, the rest capacity is much larger. Um, usually, it's rest till recovered. Um, when strength and, and size is a priority because you want to basically push the load or push that, that many, as many reps as possible, the volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore you're recovered. And when I say recovered, it's not essentially the muscle itself. It's, it's actually those, the energy systems being recovered to fuel, you know, it's not so much like he said, the muscles are going to fire, you know, as long as provided there's fuel there for them to fire.
1: So, so could you, could you give me, cause I did not really understand, you know, the type of programming or I haven't been exposed to the type of programming you would give to somebody who's trying to build, you know, say a bodybuilder type program. So if you were doing squats, we've been talking about squats quite a bit. Sure. You know, what would a typical squat program look like with in terms of how many reps you would do and
0: then what the rest period would be? Are we working with load or are we working with body weight?
1: Um, let's just talk about load first. Okay.
0: Yeah. So my go-to building programs are usually around volume. Um, I'm definitely not a strength trainer. I'm much more of a volume trainer. However, if you do something called heavy volume, which is something more similar to German volume, where like the loads around hundred, doesn't have to be, I have it where basically I like my rep range to be maxed out at 18. Uh, that's my sweet spot that I found. If you can go is it max effort as many reps as you can with a load that you could fail at around 18. And it's hard to get to that number. But once you figure out what that number is on paper, you do it. You just max out. So you go till, till broke. And basically when I say till broke, it means you squat until your form breaks or you need somebody to help you get that set. And essentially you're going through a lot of good things there. You're going, you're, you're, your volume is high. So therefore you're building muscle. We just said earlier that volume, you know, is going to help you build muscle. Your intensity is going to be high because it's going to be a moderately heavy weight that's going to have a fatigue factor in it. You know, I know people want to build in that you know three to seven rep range as they say the big strength and and power phase. But load, as we just said, as a prime example, is how you get size, how you get muscular, musculature, the hypertrophy range. So at eighteen on your first set, it provided you know you went to broke. You're not going to get eighteen again usually. You're basically your muscle unless you rest for. A good 20 minutes to 10 minutes like unless you west for a while you should not get 18 again you should maybe get 17 if you went for broke and then 16 and then 15 is is and i'm saying consider maybe a five minute period and i usually sort of rest till recovered or five minutes something of that nature so you know you still haven't recovered in five minutes from that previous set based on the energy systems that were being used so i use a system like that where it's like it's a natural um drop set but the load stays the same and i'm looking for a total set of volume. so for example, HVT, the, the bigger is better program I'm referencing is looking for hundred total reps. I don't tell you how many sets it's going to take. I just tell you, I want you to get hundred reps, but I want you to fatigue on your first set at 18 and you're going to use that same load for the rest of the set. You do that on all your major compound movements. <laughs> That's probably going to take you 20 to 25 minutes or so. So you're only doing one exercise for half your workout. And then I superset you on the rest of them to you know, keep you going. But you do that. Your legs will grow you know, that kind of training will, will make you grow. So how can we take that same approach, maybe on the body weight side? So what can we do there? Um, you know, if we look for maybe even that same rep range, like an 18, so maybe we're looking at, like he said, that jump squat or that something of that nature where you do a, a, a fierce, you know, vertical, and then you come down and decelerate and some where you hit the ground, soften your knees a little bit, and then you go slow, 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 and pop up again you're probably not gonna be able to get too many of those without that fatigue going on. So I think like you said, you're gonna get some load and you get that fast twitch fiber activated. So that's, that's possibly a good go-to uh, program.
1: Yeah, or it could be something, let's just keep going on the squat, squat here, because I love squats. I think they have great functional movement. You're activating the largest you know, muscle groups in your body. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, You know, it might be something just using what you were describing with, you know, the 18, you maxing out and then you dropping down to maybe 15 on the next set and then maybe dropping to 13 or 12 and so on. So with squatting, just using body weight and not trying to actually add the amount of stress that you put on muscle by doing what you said, which was, you know, jumping into the air, landing and then squatting. Uh, You could do a 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 rep scheme, right? I'm going to go for 50 as quickly Mm -hmm. as I can. I'm going to recover, maybe do a 30-second recovery or 45-second recovery. And then on that minute, I'm going again for 40 reps as quickly as I can. I'm going to take a one-minute recovery and then go for 30 as quickly as I can. So that would be the same thing. I'm lowering the number of reps for each set, but I'm trying to do it as quickly as possible. So that would be one way to do it.
0: Now, again, I would just want to come back to time because I mean, I think a lot of people at the home are going to use that time variable. And essentially, I would only use that time variable when you want to prioritize weight loss or a leanness in my, in my body. Not so much for, yeah. you know, the, the predominant start of this article or this episode was how can I build muscle? usually people aren't looking to build muscle while they're reducing body fat. That's that unicorn effect that I talk about that really hard thing to do is build muscle, reduce body fat, which is possible, right? Diet obviously in the right pr- training program, but we're, we're stuck at home and we're trying to build, you know, somebody who's actually trying to build muscle um, and doesn't so much care about the body fat. You know, they're just maintain their body fat, build muscle. Um, would you still prioritize that rest in there like that? Or would you really just focus more on the, 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 jumping, the action, the, uh, you know, the, the volume approach.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we, we started out by saying, you know, it really depends on who you are, um, you know, what your genetics are, you know, let's just take the genetics out. Actually, let's just say, what are your goals? You know, what's your purpose for doing yep. it? If it's building strength, building muscle, you know, controlling body fat, then you need to have intensity, right? Um, that's a mm-hmm. given. You you're not gonna get away with uh you know doing 10 squats, 10 push-ups, and 10 sit-ups, and you're done. You know, that that that's not intense. It might be very intense for a frail nursing home resident. You know, they're probably not gonna be able to do the push-ups, for example, even the sit-ups functionally, but you're gonna have to have a higher volume. You're gonna have to have more repetitions. So Um, yeah, I would say, you know, the rest periods to me don't really, I I don't really focus on that part too much. You know, when I do workouts or when I've been programming workouts for people that are, you know, the little bit of coaching I've done, um, I like the variety. I think variety is more important. So we need to be, if we're doing body weight exercises, we need to ensure that we are stressing the legs that we, you know, working the upper body as well, and in a variety of ways, you know, whether it's lunging, um, squatting for the lower body, pulling, pushing, hanging, and pulling. It doesn't matter how you go about doing it, but you need to incorporate some aspect of every part of your body's being stressed, on that particular workout. And there are many different ways to go about doing that. You know, varying varying the intensity, uh, varying the amount of time you spend on the workout. You know, it could be a shorter seven minutes one day, or it might be out to 20 minutes on another day. You know, so you have all, and, and making the movements different, right? Um, you know, so instead of forward lunges, I might do back lunges or side lunges. There are many different ways to go about doing it.
0: So I think the moral of the story is that it is possible, you know, considering your capacity can be stressed at home. And, and again, you can always increase capacity. You can always do more, but it just might take you a lot longer to get to that fatigue. So a CrossFit athlete that's really used to pushing some load for some time frames. They're really going to have to put down, you know, some volume. They're really going to have to put down, you know, some intensity, some fast twitch, uh, you know, speed work, uh, in order for them to see continuous growth or at least maintain something. And and could it be maintained, depending on how high how, how high level that athlete is? I'm not sure. Again, we have to do breakage. You have to do damage to that muscle in order to see repair and growth. And that's also sitting with a proper diet. So the I think the take home here is, depending on who you are. A, the diet's going to be super important. Making sure that you prioritize the good proteins and the things of that nature that can help build and repair. Figuring out how intense my exercise is is going to help me determine do I need more ca- more carbs or more fats in that diet for you know the you know the the fast twitcher the fast twitch type uh, that we're going to be prioritizing. And then just knowing, look, if I'm a three hundred pound bodybuilder, <laughs> you you're going to have some trouble at home, you know, because they're used to pushing, you know, ridiculous loads or a lot of volume. And so the poundage is going to be very, very high for that bodybuilders. They're going to be working this hypertrophy range. So their body's going to change shape. I assume they lose muscle at home. If they, you know, a bodybuilder is used to, you know, bodybuilding five, six days a week, possibly two times a day, you know, in some, in certain cases like myself and some of these others, um, you know, yes, you're probably going to lose some muscle at home, um, you know, provided all supplements are, over the counter um, and things of that nature. But if you're not, if you're not on that extreme level, I would say you absolutely have a great chance at prioritizing muscle while doing some body weight stuff. You're just gonna have to get some crafty programming or, you know, do some of the stuff that we mentioned, you know, look for a total set of volume where, you know, you're fatigued after you're, you might feel that feedback loop already. And you might be a little sore, you know, factors that you, you go through and like, Oh, my legs are sore. You're, sitting on a uh, toilet, it's like, oh, that's sore. You know, you may not get such uh, soreness that, you know, when you're doing a heavy squat, like an HVT, because you're just going to be breaking down muscle fibers all over the place. However, you should, you should get some feedback from your workout. You shouldn't just leave that thing and be like, oh, that was easy because you need change in order to create change. You know, you need, you need to do more in order to more than the normal routine, more than the, the, the slow twitch stuff in order to see that Um, you know, visible difference in your, in your physique.
1: So that's a interesting point you just raised there. So how do I know if I'm getting stronger? So I've been at home for three months, haven't been able to get to my gym or I'm about to start on a program that now that we've talked about it, you know, how am I going to measure whether I'm actually getting stronger just with body weight exercises?
0: Well, I guess that's gonna be a. It's a great point you just brought up because maybe we're saying the terms loosely, strength versus size and muscle muscle growth because they're all independent, right? Strength would come obviously where you would say you could depend on. You could say your one rep maximum um, has gone up or down, um, or your endurance capacity can go up and down, and so those would be all different things, and it would really depend on the goal of your training. So, I would assume that people. Aren't really looking to power lift when they're home with just body weight. So, you know, those people know they're screwed a little bit. So, because I think that one rep maximum will not be able to be achieved no matter how much volume that you do by yourself. However, I still think that you can build that musculature. You can still see some visible differences. You can most likely, you know, and you probably should wanna use that intensity factor for timing and rest to, to keep that body fat low. And, you know, if it's just a visual thing, the, the, the more reduced body fat you have, the better you usually look oftentimes. So that's another trick that you can use to reduce body fat. Wow, you look bigger. I'm 15 pounds lighter, but I look bigger, right? You know, Because you've visibly been able to show those muscles. Now they're getting 3D with the, the lighting and different things. So to answer Holden, I don't know that your strength is going to increase at home, especially if uh, you're an avid athlete and been to the gym four to five times on a structured program. You know, I think you're going to need more load and things of that nature when you might need a program that's using some weighted objects uh, in order to continue to see maybe maintenance. But if you're not in that, if you're you know like Holden's father or somebody on the lower side of the spectrum, you can absolutely build and you can actually see and you can see endurance. You can see the feedback in the mirror. You could feel it a little bit. But I would definitely say, you know, with at home workouts, you could prioritize your endurance and you could you can use that as a feedback. So how many times can you go in one minute, a squat or one minute, a, uh, you know, a, a push up or something of that nature, if you can get a pull-up bar and pull-ups um, and pull-ups would definitely build muscle because now you have resistance that you could pull, your arms will grow, your back will grow. So you can definitely do, you find something to pull yourself up, one of those door pulleys and all that, you got that. And yes, it's body weight, but yeah, there's, there's resistance there. It's just like a pulley system. So you're getting more than that. And again, we're, we're talking about, you know, inflating load on some of your body weight stuff, but um, you, like he said, you can look at how much capacity you can do in a specific time frame, or straight, you know, just straight as many as you can do. And those could be feedback loops for you as well to see if your capacity is increasing. Is it straight size or is it straight strength? Debatable, but, um, you know, it depends on who you are. It could be.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, one of the workouts that I've used to judge whether I'm getting better or not over time or you know if i'm just doing body weight is um you could do a workout say in the in in minute 1 i'm going to do one burpee one sit up and one push up and then i'm resting in minute 2 i'm doing two burpees two sit ups two push ups and then clearly i'm going to have a rest minute and 3 i'm doing three and my goal is I have to accomplish all three. So if I'm at 10, minute 10, I have to get the 10 burpees, 10 sit-ups, 10 push-ups done Mm -hmm. within that minute, in the 10th minute, or else I'm out, right? 14 burpees, 14 sit-ups, 14 push-ups. I have to get them all done in the 14th minute, or I'm done. Mm -hmm. So you just keep going up. You know, It could be you might get to 16 or 17, But I think it's going to be really hard to go beyond 16 minutes if you're having to do 16 burpees, 16 sit-ups, 16 push-ups for most people. So that's one way you can find simple little things like that, that you can use as tracking tools, right? So every couple of weeks, I'm going to repeat that same workout and see if I can get further into, you know, where I got into the 14th minute, maybe I can hit the 15th minute, and maybe in the 15 minute, I didn't get all 15 burpees, uh, sit-ups and push-ups, but I got to maybe 10 Mm push-ups. So you can keep track of things like that.
0: And he's talking about a baseline, guys. You got to know what you're tracking against. So many people will just go to the gym and just lift and just, (laughs) yeah, I'm here to lift. Okay. You're going to get those same kind of results. You're going to get, you know, laissez-faire results, but setting these baselines, I do it a lot and all, just about all my programs have baselines, just so you can know where your starting point was and, you know, what you're working towards. And it all matters with your priorities too. But, you know, if you're working out at home, just know that, you know, most folks, if you're not an extreme athlete are going to be able to get it done. Uh, you get a little creative programming, you can search the internet. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff there. If you want to come take a peek at what we got, got hyphenvelocity.com. Um, or just use the tricks that Holden and I just uh, mentioned to you. But, you know, rest assured, if you're training at home and you're, and you're in that mid-range um, or, or beginner, you could definitely build at home. If you're in that a little bit more advanced, you got to get more creative and you got to put more. maybe some more sessions down or maybe some, you know, since you're not at home and you're at home and you're not going to the gym or you're not traveling to work in, in these positions, maybe you hit it a couple times a day, you know, increase that that load that way or that volume that way. So, Um, These are all ways that you can use these things to build muscle, prioritize some strength at home. But again, uh, see some visual feedback, you know, from your training program at home.